You're listening to the Senior Care Pharmacist podcast, ASCP's journal come to life. Visit ASCP.com journal to read the articles and ASCP.com podcasts to listen to more author interviews. Welcome to the Senior Care Pharmacist podcast. This is Donna Bartlett, your host. Today we have with us Dr. Stella Yee, a clinical pharmacist at Grady Health System in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Dr. Yee. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So thank you for being with us today. Today we're speaking with Dr. Yi in regards to her publication, Deprescribing Medications Among Older Adults to Reduce Polypharmacy at a Comprehensive Academic Medical Center. This certain publication can be found in the April 2021 edition of the Senior Care Pharmacist Journal. So Stella, I am so glad to be talking to you about deprescribing with many of us. I know deprescribing is near and dear to our hearts, especially if we're working in the older adult communities. So I appreciate you being with us here today. And I'd love for you to first just start us off with this unique unit that you have. I think it's an acute care unit for the elderly. So it's known as ACE. If you could just um, tell us just about that unit. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, of course. So like you said, the ACE unit stands for the Acute Care for the Elderly unit. And the ACE model was established in the early 1990s as a way to reduce the risk of functional decline in hospitalized older adults. And so we've known for some time now that an acute illness is often stressful experience for adult, older adults and their caregivers. And there are certain elements of a hospitalization that may contribute to a patient's loss of functional independence or failure to restore their physical functioning to baseline when they're discharged. And so the ACE unit attempts to minimize the risk of that functional decline by utilizing this interdisciplinary approach to emphasize early and repeated assessments in order to identify risk factors for functional decline. And so this is a key differentiating factor of ACE units from traditional medical surgical units by addressing problems that are unique to the older adults. So at Grady, the ACE unit is an enclosed medical surgical unit with 35 beds, and patients who meet the following three criteria are admitted to this unit. So either med-surge patients 65 years and up with various geriatric syndromes, meaning that they're at high risk for falls, functional and cognitive decline, polypharmacy, or failure to thrive. And then patients 65 years and older who have established care here at Grady in the geriatrics clinic. And so here, the ACE service was started in 2015, and it's a consult service which rounds Monday through Friday, and it's made up of geriatrics trained physician, advanced practice providers, a clinical pharmacist, nurses, dietitians, social workers, physical therapists, and occupational therapists. And what the pharmacist does is reviews the patient's chart, the past medical history, reason for admission, daily labs, imaging, home medication list, and the inpatient medication list, and evaluates the appropriateness of medication used based on the presence of an indication. And then the, those recommendations are individualized to each patient based on the patient's nursing report, provider notes, and then also discharge plans. That's great. And just that team approach sounds wonderful. I know we see that a lot in acute care setting, but just to have everyone focusing on the older adult, it must be very rewarding and, and very helpful for those folks that are on that unit to know that they have such a specialist group working with them. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. So there are a number of co-authors or like a team of people that you collaborated with for this particular article. And I just wanted to kind of understand a little bit more if you could shed some light on how the idea of the study evolved. And could you tell us a little bit about the co-authors and, and this team that you have that together collaborated on this article? Yeah. So I was actually lucky enough to inherit this project for my PGY2 research project. And so at Grady, the flipped research project model is utilized for pharmacy residency research. And this idea was actually conceptualized by Sarah Boyko, who was the outgoing PGY2 internal medicine pharmacy resident, alongside with two of our geriatrics trained clinical pharmacists, Melissa Patel and Kruthi Shaw, who've been involved with the ACE unit since services were first established in 2015 here at Grady. And then Drs. Turbo and Dr. O were integral in defining the standard of care for older adults on the ACE unit and then those on traditional med surge units. Dr. O is actually the medical director of the ACE unit, and it was under her direction and guidance that the ACE unit first opened in 2015 here at Grady. She's been instrumental in the care process changes for hospital staff on the care of the hospitalized older adults, which focuses on best practices during hospitalization to transitions across care settings for those patients. And she was also instrumental in Grady obtaining the NICHE recognition, which stands for Nurses Improving Care for Health System Elders. And so at the initial conceptualization of this project, what my co-authors wanted to know was whether an ACE unit with pharmacist involvement resulted in greater deprescribing of select high-risk medications in older adults when compared to usual care. Um, and usual care meaning those same patients aged 65 years and older admitted to med surge units without ACE involvement. And we defined deprescribing as either medication discontinuation, dose reduction, or reducing the frequency of medication administration. Yeah, that's that's great. And that is all the definition, <laughs> all the defining models, if you will, of deprescribing. So, so that's great. And what a team. It seems like there's a, a good number of you that were able to cover the unit and all have this wonderful interest in working with older adults and this whole idea of deprescribing, which is so important. So there are so many medications that you could have focused on for this study. Could you share the medications you targeted, why those were targeted, and how you determined if it is appropriate? Or Yeah, that's a great question. So the BEERS criteria lists many different classes of um, potentially inappropriate medications in older adults. The high-risk medications that we're drawing attention to in this study are acid suppressants, antipsychotics, and insulin. And so these three classes of medications are commonly prescribed in older adults and then continued during their hospitalization and then across different care settings. And oftentimes the quality of evidence supporting its prolonged use may be limited. And so we specifically targeted patients who are admitted to Grady with these three classes of medications listed as a home medicine. And so, for example, proton pump inhibitors are not recommended to be used for longer than eight weeks, except in certain scenarios. However, we see that they're often continued for much longer, and it's been postulated that long-term use of acid suppressants could be associated with increased risk for infection, reduced absorption of vitamins and minerals, and increased bone density lost. Second, antipsychotics were chosen because we wanted to look at 
Well, what we noticed was that many patients may have been prescribed antipsychotics for short-term use with a taper plan or for acute management of psychosis or delirium during an acute hospitalization. However, they may be inadvertently continued on therapy because of their transition across various care settings. And so we targeted those medications and listed them as high risk due to their risk of causing increased sedation, orthostatic hypotension, bradycardia, and things like that. And then finally, it is common to hold oral medications for diabetes and start insulin for the treatment of hyperglycemia in hospitalized adults. But what we noticed was that many patients who were on insulin therapy at home but met criteria for transitioning to an oral diabetes medication were discharged on a insulin regimen, which is a missed opportunity for deprescribing. And we know that older adults are especially vulnerable to hypoglycemia and frequent episodes can lead to frailty and disability over time. Sure. So, wow, really important thing. So really targeting meds that we look at and maybe they're just being used temporarily, transitions of care type of units like you say in hospitalizations, but then they're still being transferred on, if you will, to either a rehab or home again. So really interesting that these three groups of medications are studied and really if you I'm thinking about not only the effects for the patient, but when you think about insulins, especially the expense too. <laughs> so not right. only just the expense of the medicine for the patient, but then if they are rehospitalized, et cetera, it's just an expense for the whole health system. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Really interesting. Are there any like standout cases or a case or something that stands out in your mind of, you know, maybe an opportunity or a missed opportunity or something of some sort? Yeah. So I was recently covering the ACE unit for one of the other clinical pharmacists. And we had this 95-year-old female who was admitted from a nursing home. She had a history of multiple falls and she presented with a ground level fall. And so they were thinking that it could be because of imbalance, orthostatic hypotension, and uh, polypharmacy that were contributing to these falls. And so we obtained the med list from the facility and the patient was on a multitude of high-risk medications, not just the ones that we targeted in our study. And so she was admitted to the ACE unit uh, with an ACE consult for recommendations to de-escalate meds before she returned to the facility. And so when looking at her med list, there were multiple reasons for orthostasis. She was on metoprolol and hydralazine three times a day. And so they could have been contributing to her orthostatic hypotension. So we recommended to change it to amlodipine just for a once-daily medication for better blood pressure control. She had a history of diabetes, but her most recent A1C was 6.9, and she was on glipizide at home. And so we recommended to just, you know, discontinue the glipizide with close monitoring of her blood glucose and hemoglobin A1C since she's already at goal of less than 7%. She was also on methylphenidate and bupropion, 300 milligrams daily, for reasons that were unknown to us. So these could have been working against her blood pressure. And additionally, we just were not really clear on why she was on these medications. So even though we didn't have a clear indication, the provider who was taking care of her during the hospitalization was hesitant to discontinue these because just for fear of symptom return. And so we made the compromise to reduce the dose of the bupropion and the methylphenidate. 
Yeah. And then she was on multiple psych medications. She, she was on paroxetine, Seroquel as needed, and Depakote. So we spoke with her physician at the nursing facility who did agree that we should taper down some of the psych meds. But in the past, when this was attempted, the family was really opposed to it because the patient had been so stable on them. And so we communicated with the family who were more amenable to weaning the psych meds given the multiple falls within the past few months. And so this scenario kind of stood out in my mind because of all the opportunities to deprescribe across different provider settings. So there was her provider at the facility speaking with her caretakers, her family members, and then also collaboration with the inpatient team. Yeah. And Stella, that that whole scenario really illustrates a lot of the barriers that we see too, thinking about the prescribers and the patients and the caregivers. We'll talk about that a little bit more a little bit later on, but it really highlights a lot of the issues that we see when we think, oh, just stop a medication, but there are barriers for sure. So I want to go back to the study a little bit more at this point and just ask, you know, so what were your findings? And one of the things that stood out to me is when you're just looking at the baseline characteristics, this particular study had quite a large population of African-Americans. And I was just curious about that particular population for this study. Is it geographic that that's the case? Or is there something, some other reason why we might be seeing a higher number of African-Americans at your unit? So if you could just comment on that and just on your findings for the um, study itself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with commenting on our findings. So we performed a retrospective chart review of patients admitted to Grady over a three-month period who were 65 and up and had the select high-risk medications listed on their home med list. And the intervention group included patients who were admitted to an ACE unit with a dedicated ACE pharmacist. And the control group included patients who were admitted to a a traditional med surge unit. Our primary outcome was looking at deprescribing in our intervention group versus our control group. Again, deprescribing was defined as medication discontinuation, dose reduction, or frequency reduction. And so what we found was that the rate of deprescribing was not significantly different between our intervention and control group. But when we took a closer look at actual medication discontinuations, 83% of the meds in the case group or our intervention group were actual discontinuations, whereas only 34% of the medications in the control group were actual discontinuations. And so what we think happened is that in the control group, the deprescribing was largely driven by a higher rate of dose reductions, about 62% which could be due to the fact that more patients in this group were receiving insulin therapy and required the additional dose reduction at discharge. And then we also noticed that providers were just more agreeable to discontinuing or dose-reducing acid suppressants, likely because they're perceived as medications used for symptomatic relief and result in lower risk of consequences when discontinued. Recommendations around insulin therapy were also likely to be accepted because Recommendations to reduce insulin doses based on point-of-care blood glucose or hemoglobin A1c were based on more objective data. And then we found a lot of barriers to deprescribing antipsychotics. And so providers may have just been more hesitant to deprescribe because of fear of symptom rebound. Sure. Yeah. So, and then what about the population and the baseline characteristics? 
Yeah. So Grady is based here in metro area Atlanta, and it's a level one trauma center. It also serves as Atlanta's safety net hospital, meaning that care is provided for all patients, regardless of their ability to pay for services. And so because of these factors, patients who require hospitalization as a result of trauma or fall are often admitted to Grady. And then Black or African-Americans make up about 51% of the racial composition of Atlanta. And within the Black community that resides in Atlanta, the poverty rate is approximately 31%. And so because of all these factors, um, I think that's the reason why we saw such a large makeup of African-Americans in our baseline demographics. Wow, that's really interesting. Wonderful that you're there to serve that area, especially with some of those socioeconomic issues that you might see, especially in the healthcare system. So it's a great unit to have in in a very special needs type of area for sure. So back to a little bit more about barriers. We talked, we keep touching on that, it seems. So thinking more about barriers, what are some of the barriers that you've seen? And do you think that there are some that are unique to the acute care hospital setting? Yeah, definitely. So in my research before starting this project, I noticed that deprescribing in an acute care setting is an under-researched area. During a patient's acute hospitalization, the medical team may be most concerned and focused on the acute nature of the hospital mission and may oftentimes prioritize that over the opportunity to deprescribe. And so I think that's one of the main barriers to deprescribing for patients who are admitted to an acute care setting. And then I kind of touched on this earlier, but what we see a lot is that providers may be hesitant to discontinue a medication that originated from another provider. And so this is an opportunity for de-intensifying therapy that is often missed, leading to therapeutic inertia discharge. And lastly, providers may be hesitant to deprescribe due to concern for the patient's disease state progression or rebound of symptoms. Right. So, yeah, really interesting for sure. And you even touched upon, I found it so interesting too, with the caregivers, the family caregivers that were so hesitant in that particular case. And we do see that they, you know, what what is it going to mean for the patient? Of, the, of course, they don't want to see them suffering. And if you're taking away medications, could their condition worsen? It's hard to think that, Absolutely. you know, maybe it'll get better. It's not really what we think, right? Medicine's hope. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's important to periodically reassess the medications to see if maybe some of them are maybe not as necessary as they were six months ago or a year ago. Sure. Absolutely. So, Estelle, we're going to wrap things up here, but I do, and I really want to know, especially with this study and in what you've been specializing in, what changes would you like to see moving forward in regards to prescribing and the deprescribing of medications? Yeah, I think, well, I would always like to have more pharmacists. I think having more pharmacist services across different transitional care settings that'll allow for more closed loop communication among the inpatient care team, the ambulatory care team, and even between transitional care facilities that patients may be discharged to. That way, we'll have a better review of the patient as well as to see what their needs are and what their goals are. And maybe we can tailor the medications to meet their goals. And additionally, I think incorporating more community health workers for patients transitioning across 
care settings can help fill in some of those gaps in continuity of care, especially for older adults. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I can't thank you enough for um, sharing your study with us today and um, spending some time with us on our podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I also just want to reiterate too about what article we're discussing today and where it can be found. So today we're speaking with Dr. Stella Ying, and she is the author, one of the co-authors of Deprescribing Medications Among Older Adults to Reduce Polypharmacy at a Comprehensive Academic Medical Center. And um, this particular article can be found in the April 2021 edition of the Senior Care Pharmacist. So thank you again, Stella. And I always like to thank our listeners too. Thank you so much for listening to us today, for thinking about treating and prescribing and deprescribing in our older adults, and also for students who are embarking in the healthcare system and their time here and learning about these very important conditions and factors that we have to be thinking about, especially in our older adults. So thank you to all of you out there who are caring for older adults in our communities. And thank you again, Stella. I appreciate your time today. Thank you.